Hello there, Terry here, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. Today I'm chatting with Brent Dentz, who is a Pixar character animator. Now, Brent began at Pixar Animation Studios as an animator in the summer of 2017. Since joining the studio, he's worked on a number of films as a fixed animator, for instance, the Academy Award-winning feature film Coco, as well as Incredibles 2, and most recently he worked as an animator on Toy Story 4, which is set to release in a couple weeks on June 21st. So Brett really has a knack for breathing life into the characters on the screen so that they feel natural and authentic to viewers, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But prior to Pixar, Brent was actually a hand-drawn animator, animating iconic characters such as Tony the Tiger and the Rice Krispies Treat commercials. But then he transitioned into CG animation, where he went to work for ARC, then Blue Sky, and then Walt Disney Animation Studios. And Brent was raised in DeKalb, Illinois, before going to Sheridan's animation program in Oakville, Ontario, and currently he lives in Emeryville, California. So Brent, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, man. Glad, glad, to, be glad to be here. I'm excited to chat. So... One of the first things I always ask is what kind of inspired you to get into the industry? So you've, you've had a long career as an animator. What was the goal when you were a kid? Like, what did you want to become? Why did you get into this? Yeah, so for me, um, what got me into animation was, was my love of drawing. Um, <clears throat> I've always loved drawing from a very young age. I knew from the age of, um, well, around second grade is when I kind of decided that I wanted to be an animator. I remember coming across the book, the uh, Bob Thomas, The Art of Animation, um, that had re-released. Uh, the original was like sometime in the 60s or something, but they re-released it in the 90s with like this Beauty and the Beast edition on the end. I remember discovering that as a kid and going through the drawings from you know Glenn Keane, Mark Ken, all these Disney animators, and just falling in love with, you know, seeing drawings that were alive, you know, these rough sketches that to me were just so vibrant, so full of life. And I was like, that's, that's for me. That's, that's what I want to do. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's that kind of my passion for that has, has carried me. So in grade two, you, you read a book and you were like, I want to do this. Uh, obviously, a lot happened in between. Can you give kind of a Cole's notes of, of all the steps that happened? <laughs> yeah, quite a lot happened in between. Um, so, yeah, like, I was, I was looking. So, I mean, uh, when I was graduating high school, I um, was researching different places to, to potentially go to school. Um, at the time, Sheridan was, was not on my, my uh, radar. I looked into uh, CalArts, um, visited, and a bunch of other schools. Um, for me, though, those ended up not, not being options, um, just affordability and kind of my situation. Like, it just wasn't, wasn't something that um, I was able to do so um so i started looking elsewhere and this was this was kind of before the whole online animation school programs really existed so that wasn't really an option either um for me and um so uh so i looked uh at some other schools did some more research and then you know sheridan kind of popped up and uh and so i, I looked in a little deeper uh, went and visited um, so 
admittedly, like having no idea about uh, like Sheridan or Canada in my mind, I think up until that point, it, like uh, it, it was just an amazing uh, surprise to me how I missed out in my mind before then all this, 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 this wealth of, of uh, animation history and of um, just greatness that is, that is Canada. So yeah. Like, so you went through the Sheridan program. What was like kind of the big as in knowing that you wanted to become an animator? What was the big thing that you learned there or that you focused on that allowed you to take that step to get your first job? Um, so I feel like for me, what I got out of Sheridan the most was just a really strong foundation um, across the board. Um, I didn't really think of myself before Sheridan as uh, in filmmaking terms, as being like literally being a filmmaker. I, I was thinking more specifically, I guess, about being an animator and specifically kind of animating and acting, you know, shot to shot. I think the great thing about Sheridan was it, it, it broadened my mind to think more about filmmaking as a whole and how each shot works to, 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 you're trying to build up this bigger story and, you know, each shot, you know, matters and any weak link in that chain can bring the whole thing down or prop it up. And so, so thinking more in terms of, of overall story, staging, you know, like, uh, all these things are things that I'm using every day. To, to this day um, and and I think to me I think that's what's what's helped me get my 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 first kind of um, job in the in the industry um, because I didn't know the software for my first job that I applied to like I've used you know so many different software packages at this point uh, from pencil and paper to Toon Boom to Maya, Presto, and all these other things. and But that was never the focus. And I think that's a good thing because there's these fundamental core things that are really important to learn as an artist, as a filmmaker, that it doesn't really matter what medium you're using. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's more about the, the you know, when it comes down to it, storytelling. So, so storytelling, like if you're a storyboard artist or if you're a writer, it's very different in how you communicate things as an animator. When you say storytelling as an animator, what specifics are you thinking of? You mentioned like shot continuity, but what, what is like the highlight of being a storyteller and an animator? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I don't really see a whole lot of a difference between I mean, there are some very clear differences, but I'm still thinking of my shots in terms of story sometimes too. Like, I'm not necessarily thinking broader text of like where the character arc is, uh, uh, like at the beat. Well, I mean, that 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 is that is part of it, right? We need to know as actors, like, okay, we're this is the arc of our character. This is where we are at in this shot in this sequence. 
you know, we need to keep this maybe a certain uh, revelation or whatever, keep things toned down so that there's a payoff in a later shot where you can go broad or big with something or a reaction or, and that could be an emotional beat, that could be in the actual action, you know, it, it kind of all depends. And so like from an emotional standpoint, if your character is acting a certain way earlier on and kind of giving away something that you want to save more, it's kind of like, like a meal, you know, and like you save the dessert for last, right? Like that's the sweet spot. And I think of shots or sequences kind of the same way where like you, you have the, the hearty part of the meal first, which is information you're, you're expressing that needs to be there. And you're building this all up for a payoff at the, at the end. And, and, and that works in the sense of a whole film from beginning to the climax to the end. But that also works within a sequence uh, of, of whatever it is you might be trying to pay off. And so, so yeah, does that, does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So it's, it's maybe to sum up, it's like, don't overdo every shot with, you know, intricate details and action and, and overboard stuff. Like if you like figure out where the character is in the story and animate to that pace with a big payoff at the end. So I'm thinking maybe you save like over the top expressions and, and actions for the climax versus them coming out at the beginning or something. Exactly. It's a it's just a more like disciplined approach to when you're making those choices, like very consciously deciding when to make those choices, which I think overall, when you do it well and you do it right, it heightens the value of when you do you when you do use those, like like you're saying, for instance, the broadness, right? If you're always doing it broad, all over the place, all over all the time, it's kind of like being in Times Square trying to look at an ad, right? Like you're in Times Square, there's a million ads everywhere, and you kind of lose all of them because they're just everywhere and they're all in your face. But like, if you put a monk sitting in the middle of Times Square doing nothing, but you know, sitting and meditating, I would argue that that monk is going to stick out more than those ads are. Um, and so, it's just a matter of like, yeah, like like consciously putting in, you know, those moments when you want them to build up to. Yeah, something bigger. Now, I just want to stop this podcast for a moment and give you a side note about this conversation. So Brent actually emailed me after the fact to offer some more pointers into character animation, and he asked me to read out his thoughts with you. So here's what he said. As animators, it's our job to get into the character's mind and body and inhabit that space. We need to know exactly what that character is thinking and feeling at every moment of a film and understand why they feel that way. There are a ton of ways to express any given emotion, and the way your character expresses any given emotion at any given moment is dependent on a lot of things. Take, for instance, a character who's at a fast food counter about to order dinner. So he hasn't eaten all day because of meetings and chaos at work, and so he reaches into his pocket only to discover his wallet is missing and he forgot it at the office. Now, depending on who his character is and how his day went are things that will affect how he expresses that anger. So he might go internal and berate himself and beat himself up, 
or he might initially get irritated with himself and then calm himself down if he tends to be a more compassionate character with himself. If his wallet wasn't left at work but rather stolen, that expression of anger is going to be a very different flavor of anger. And if it wasn't at a fast food restaurant but rather at a fancy restaurant after already have eaten a meal sitting across from a first date, that anger might be peppered with some embarrassment, which is going to look a lot different. So the more specific you can be about your acting choices, the more likely the audience is going to believe that performance and character. And this leads to performances that feel less cliche and generic and feel more real because it feels like a believable, unique character on the screen. So I hope that helps to add some depth to this conversation for you. And now let's get back into the podcast. Makes sense. And those are some good analogies. Um, so, but obviously it sounds like you learn this kind of working as an animator over time. Uh, so, and you've also worked for, I think, four or five studios over, over your career. What, what did you put together in your portfolio to make yourself stand out as an animator or a storyteller animator in the first place that got you that first, that first role? Um... Uh, I'm just I'm just thinking because Sheridan prepares you to put out a very you know you're you know the fundamentals of a broad range of of uh, like life drawing and storyboarding and character design and animation all these things. So what did your how did you make yours stand out as an animator specifically? Well, for me it was just a matter of doing work and art that came from within me. You know that was very personal. And so it wasn't necessarily like a specific design, I don't think, or a specific shot. It was just work that um, was representative of, I guess, you know, my values and the things I love and the things I want to grow into and as, you know, I feel like, I, th I think as an artist or an animator or in any kind of field, you might get into a little bit more trouble when you're trying to be something that you think you want them to see, as opposed to just being kind of yourself and trying to put that into your work. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of places really respond well to, um, um, you know, being able to recognize those little pieces of authenticity and uniqueness that all make us all unique individuals and in their work. And so it's, I think it's about, yeah, trying to find what is important to you. So as an animator at Pixar now, are you, do you also still do that where you're putting your uniqueness and stuff into your animation? Like, do you kind of have a signature in that sense? Um, I mean, I try. I try. <laughs> I don't know that I always succeed. But, uh, you know, when there's a lot more things at play when you're working for for studios and stuff, too, it's 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 not always like it's not about me, per se, as an animator. I'm and it's, it's not my film, really. I'm, I'm trying to make. I'm trying to contribute part of myself, but also get to the director's uh, ideas and image uh, up on the screen. So ultimately, what they want is is um, is the most important. And at the end of the day, what I'm trying to to get up there. And so, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, I, I do 
try and put in ideas or things that are, you know, kind of more representative of me. And I think I, it's funny, like, I was just talking about this two seconds ago with another animator at my desk, how, like, in earlier, he was saying in earlier Pixar films, you can you can tell which was a John Carter shot or which was a Doug Sweetland shot, even though it's, a, you know, filtered through the computer, just based on the choices they're making. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that definitely comes through, you know. So you said something about like how you are making the director's vision come alive through your animation skills. Um, I guess I, I I'll, so I put out a bunch of questions to my classmates and stuff to see what they would want to ask you. And one of the most overwhelming responses was, how do you get into Pixar? Because it's like everybody's dream as a in the animation and well not everybody's dream but a lot of people's dream in the animation industry so and you obviously had like a like a path to getting to Pixar too you worked at a number of studios you went to school etc um like how what did how did what did you have to learn to even get the interview in the first place or to get noticed or all that stuff what did yeah. you have to learn and showcase um for me, uh, I think it, it's just a matter of, it was for me, I, I guess, a matter of focusing on just personal growth, both personally, professionally, as an animator, as an artist. And that was my focus, trying to just get better, get better as an animator. And so I've learned so much from all the different jobs that I had before I was here, even if you know, it was a short gig somewhere. Um, there were things that I learned that I was able to apply later on in shots. And, you know, there was a kind of a, you can know. You, can you think of something specifically that you had to learn personally or technically that, that you can think of? Um, you know, one of my, <laughs> one of my first, uh, experiences in feature animation um i was given a shot and uh it was you know it wasn't you know a lot of times animators you know they want the juicy shots right they want the you know acting and all this and that and and uh but inevitably when you first start out somewhere you know you don't get those shots. You have to work your way up, prove that you know you have the skills and all these other things. Build this trust with them, right? So um, I got the shot, which was a. It was literally just you know what some other animators might call like a throwaway shot. You know, it was just a ball at a carnival, like hitting some like. Uh, milk bottles right and uh and when i got the assignment the 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 kickoff was just come up with a bunch of different ways to maybe make this entertaining of like the, where where the ball just you know goes through these and i think i took that as an opportunity i was like great yeah like i came up with like I don't know, like six or eight different ideas. I think the temptation might be for some people to be like, oh, I just want to get this done and get to the next shot. 
But that's not the approach that I took. The approach that I took was like, okay, this is what I this is this is what I got. How can I make this like how can I milk this for as much entertainment as possible? Even if it means like like doing wacky stuff that there's no way they're gonna go for it. Like I still I wanna have fun with this. And uh, so I did a bunch of different versions, showed the soup, and got a like a really good positive reaction out of um, one of the one of the six or seven whatever that I uh, had had shown, and um, it had turned out that later that day was uh, they were having a a department meeting because there was um, uh, cuts being made. And uh, literally, because of that shot, um, they saw potential, and uh, the decision was made to, to keep me on. Wow! And this was, and and this was, you know, this was a this was a shot that was, you know, it was only um, probably like 14, 15 frames, maybe. And so I learned from that right away that there are no throwaway shots in a film. Like no, each shot matters, each shot. And so I think that kind of ties back into what I was saying earlier too, that like the importance of like each and every shot, like no matter what you're doing, like if you bring your full self to it and, and throw yourself in and just try and make it as good as it possibly can, I think um, yeah, I think. Awesome. It's, are there are there other specific things that like Pixar specifically looks for when they're hiring animators? Other things they say, oh, we need X, Y, Z. So I know Pixar specifically, you know, is big on 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 what you bring as an artist to as an animator to, to the table, you know, they're really interested in your vision, what you have to say. And so for reels and stuff, um, it's good, it can be good to have, I mean, this is depends, right? Because like, if you're applying for an internship, it's a little bit different than if you're applying for um, like an animator position, um, but maybe, Going more along the lines of the internship, I know they, they, they're looking at, you know, um, the choices that you're making, um, the quality of choices you're making, the acting choices. Um, acting is huge for animation, you know. Um, yeah. So when you were hired, what is, what is the vision that you brought, do you think, to... Um, well, I have... I have no idea. <laughs> luck, luck. That's what. <laughs> uh, no, I know that for my story, um, I know they were impressed with my growth. Um, so I had, they had seen my work previously, I think like a year or so earlier. And then they saw it a year later and they were really impressed by how much I had improved. Does that, that does that mean you were applying a year before or they just saw your work somehow? Like were you 
Mm, they had seen. Uh, yeah, no, I had applied a year before. Yeah. Uh, so don't give up either applying. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely don't. Um, so you just finished up on Toy Story 4, which uh, is like this huge franchise that shaped a lot of people's childhoods, mine included. Can you share anything about what you worked on there or how it was? I mean, uh, if it was me, I'd probably be crying half the time during the day-to-day -day animating scenes. <laughs> but uh, were there specific characters that you animated that you can um, share? So most of my shots had Bo Peep. Oh. Um, I animated um, a bit with her, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really a great experience working with with Josh as the director was awesome. Um, working with the crew, um, it yeah, you know, Toy Story is a film that. You know, I think it had that kind of impact on a lot of people, myself included. Like, I remember seeing it for the first time in the theaters when I was a kid and just just loving it and loving the characters and the story. So, um, yeah, it's been a real treat and special to be able to be a part of that legacy in some way, you know. So, and, uh, yeah, I, you, I'm forward when to... When you're working with uh, the voice actors, are you studying them to figure out the nuances in their characters and facial expressions and things too? Um, some do. It kind of depends on the character. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff is available for us to use as reference. There's sometimes where I'll, I'll look at those recordings for reference. Other times I won't. Um, it it kind of depends on the needs of the shot and what the style of the shot is, the style of the animation, what you're going for. Um, and sometimes you don't even have the, the, the actual recording yet. Sometimes it's just scratch and you have to, you know. Um, so can you walk me through, so there's just a script at, as like the first step of the, of the movie. Can you walk me through how you get that in your hands or like how you go from nothing to coming up with the final product? Like, what do you focus on first? How do you just start animating? Like, what does that look like? Uh, you mean as an animator? Like when I'm getting- Yeah, so, so in like, your role on Toy Story 4, like the movie doesn't exist at one point and now it exists. So like your role as an animator, where, where do you start animating? So, before we even get our hands on the shot or shots, usually we get chunks of shots. So it will be several shots at a time. Um, it's already been touched by a lot of different people in a lot of different departments. So once it comes out of the story and the story department, it goes to layout. Layout does a pass with basic staging of where the characters are in the shot, when they're there, camera angles, how the camera moves. Um, and then usually when we get it from layout, you know, it kind of looks funny because there is no acting, but the characters are in their basic kind of placement. Um, and so then, yeah, so then it's our job to take that staging essentially and and put the performance into the characters. And, um, that's when I'll I'll take, you know, I'll take, I'll watch the layout. I'll usually always reference back to the original storyboards. 
for um, reference because sometimes there's some decisions that have made been made to change things from the boards to the layout. Um, just to try and get a sense of the original intent of the shot, like why it is even in the picture. Um, and I'll kind of use that information before I even start um, doing thumbnails and kind of jotting down my own ideas for for what I think the shot could be. Uh, and yeah. And then once I have my thumbnails, then I'll usually, depending on, again, depending on the style of animation or whatnot, I may or may not shoot reference um, before I'm, and this is all before I'm even jumping in and starting to animate. Um, I haven't even started animating yet. Like, I'm still thinking about what I want to do and planning it out before um, before I jump in. So there's always a plan before I even go into the computer and start moving things around. So that's another question I have is kind of how much creative control do you have over a shot? Because like you said, it comes through so many people already uh, before you get it. So what can you what do you look for opportunities to add into a shot that's already been well established with a script and timing and all these other things yeah well that can depend right because i mean there's still in terms of the like performance like there's so much that's we put in um uh once we've kind of done our first blocking pass and put in our ideas for, and, and depending on, sometimes you get things from other apartments that are less baked, so to speak. So there is more room for pitching other ways of doing things. As long as it's fulfilling the original intent of the idea, you know, the director is usually really open to that kind of thing. So. You can always, if you, if you, if an idea comes to me of like, you know, this is all great, but I think if we did it this way, it could be, be even better and take it to another level. You know, do a quick mock-up and then get it in front of the director or the souks to um, have a discussion. We're constantly having discussions about, you know, the best way to do things, and so. In that regard, there are times when, yeah, like things get changed pretty big, and and you're in your your the ideas that you you know bring forward as an animator um, do get do get taken um, and and used. And, I mean, as an animator, lots of our ideas are, are always you know uh, end up on the screen. Um, so it sounds like it's a very collaborative environment as opposed to you're kind of just sitting at a desk um, like grinding away on animation. What's the culture culture like there? I know yeah. we only have a few minutes left, so. Yeah, 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 so we got. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hugely collaborative, which is what I love about here. I love about, you know, this place is that like, yeah, we may pitch our ideas, but then, you know, we're showing to our peers and dailies, we're showing to the soups, we're showing to the leads, we're showing to the director, and everyone's always having this discussion, this open discussion about, you know, um, is this working? How can we make this better? 
is this is there a better way of approaching this this is a this is a the, the collaborative nature of it happens from the very beginning all the way to the very end and um, you know animation is so work intensive like it just takes so many people to do just because it's so time consuming and um, so I love the collaborative nature of working with other artists bouncing ideas off one another and getting inspired by uh, one another and other people's work and that influencing my work and vice versa you know I think that's one of the the values of, of this industry as a whole and and especially especially here nice um, maybe it's just a last question uh, looking back at your career and kind of all the challenges you faced and all the you said you had a lot of personal and, and professional growth what is something that you you'd maybe tell your younger self or somebody else who's looking to take a similar path and and work at Pixar or become a amazing character animator such as yourself uh, well I don't know about amazing character animator myself but but thank <laughs> you That's very nice of you uh, I think um, <clears throat> so for me I know a fear that I had coming out of school or, or an uncertainty was thinking that if I didn't get uh, an opportunity right out of school if I didn't get that internship or whatever that a fear I always had was that that was the only way in. Like if that didn't happen, that, that then I, you know, I missed my chance. You know, and um, I'm happy to say that you know I was wrong. <laughs> that uh, you know it 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 did work out for me in the end. And and there's a lot of people who um, are here who didn't necessarily go through. The internship here, or had, you know, careers outside for a long time before they they came here. And um, I happened to graduate at a time when the industry was very, very uh, economically. I mean, it was it was a very low place. It was right after the financial crisis. Um, so the whole world, globally, the economy was not great. And I'm graduating, going right into this, and <laughs> and like, you know that it was it was tough at times, but um, and and I think for myself, especially with feature animation, you might get a lot of no's before you get that kind of break or that opportunity that leads you to where you want to go or ultimately where you want to be. Um, I think what's most important is to, um, you know, if, if, if it doesn't happen right away, to, to know that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't, as long as you're committed to, um, you know, continuing to, to grow and, and get better and to learn, you know? Awesome. I think that's some really solid solid advice especially because you know getting rejections is really hard but uh if you just keep trucking along like you said especially on features i guess so yeah i well i guess that's all the time we have for now but uh thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight into pixar and what it's like being a character animator and i uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah thanks for reaching out man all right. Well, thank you. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Brent, I'm going to include the link to his LinkedIn account in the description of this podcast. And that's all for now. Okay, bye.